Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a US veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Welcome back, and thanks for listening. I'm excited to kick off this season with our first guest in 2022, who will inspire you to pursue your passion and chase your dreams across the country and down the slopes. Jane Coughlin is a change management consultant turned certified ski instructor whose story showcases the importance of taking risks, listening to your heart, and manifesting joy in your life. Sometimes finding joy means reconfiguring everything you've worked toward and built around you. And Jane reminds us there's always time to make a change and listen to that small voice in your head. Join me in this conversation with a courageous leader and a generous heart as we learn how to navigate the turns, twists, and jumps in this one wild and precious life. So first of all, it's great to see you, Jane. It's so good to see you. This feels so um, normal seeing your face again on a screen, but it's in such a different environment. And yeah. It's- it's so comforting to see your face, though. I'm glad to be it back. Is, it is great to see you and glad to be back. And it does feel like we just stepped right back into kind of the world of Teams and Zoom. And uh-huh. uh, we should be probably talking about some work stuff, but we're going to talk about different stuff today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tempted to also comment on the Seattle weather. I want to be like, what a beautiful day we're having. But I think you can. I'm it's not a little even sunny. having the same day. It looks nice. <laughs> it's a little sunny behind me. Um, we've we've had some crazy weather, as you know. We've had a lot yeah. of snow, which is probably more uh, appropriate for where you're at in the world. Um, but why don't yeah. we just start off? Um, you can jump in and, and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, and yeah. maybe where you're at in the world, and we'll go from there. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm Jane Coughlin. I am a officially, as of today, certified ski instructor at Keystone. Um, I'm here today, though, because I actually used to work with you, Bill, at West Monroe as a change management consultant. Did that for four and a half years after I graduated from college and was really on a track to kind of building my career in consulting. Um, And then this summer, you know, through a long story that I'm sure we'll get more into, I decided that it was time for a life change. And this wasn't a hop to a different city or hop to a different job, but I felt like I really needed a big shake up. And so I left the firm, um, took leave of absence and deciding if we're going to continue that, but moved out here to Colorado. And now I'm at Keystone and teaching little kids how to ski every day, which is completely different from the world of Zoom and Teams and change management. But it's a big, big change nonetheless. 
I can imagine. But in some way, I think probably teaching children how to ski is not that different than managing people through change, right? It's not. It's not. And it's funny because, um, you know, when I was interviewing for this position, I felt so out of place because I'm not coming from an outdoor recreation, you know, job or background. And I've got, it's such a big life change. I was worried that they were, you know, the interviewers here at Keystone were going to question why I was there. But the more I got to talking about you know, managing different groups, working in a big team, um, managing emotions, obviously different when you're talking about a three-year-old versus a, you know, CIO of some company, but it is all very much the same. I mean, at the end of the day, we're so, I'm still working with people and, you know, that's something that I knew I always loved to do a lot. And I just made it into something that looks kind of different on paper, but is, yeah, you're right. Inherently the same. Inherently the same. Yeah. I also love that you kind of use the word reshuffle um, when you were talking mm-hmm. about kind of life and career. And there's been a lot of discussion recently about, you know, the pandemic and how it's impacted people's lives and their careers. And certainly mm-hmm. um, you're someone who encountered that in a, a pretty unique way. Um, you yeah. actually moved across the country um, in the midst of yeah. COVID in 2020. Is that right? Can you talk a little I bit did. about that? Yeah. So I guess an earlier symptom of me wanting to kind of reshuffle my life, but in, um, yeah, I guess it was January of 2020. I made the decision that I was going to move from my hometown of Chicago over to Seattle. And it was purely motivated by just a desire to be in a new place, you know, have new experiences, meet new people, um, get to the mountains, <laughs> not the flatlands of the Midwest. Um, and it was a big change because I was saying goodbye to a lot. I was saying goodbye to all of my family, my friends, a city that I love, that I hope to find myself back in. Um, and it was supposed to happen in April of 2020, but you know, we all know how that went. Ended up moving a few months later in June um, and really had to was kind of faced with the challenge of having to build a life for myself in a new city with you know, no family, um, very few friends in the middle of a pandemic and in the middle of a time where everyone was kind of reshuffling their life and figuring out what it means to socialize and meet new people and build a brand for yourself, build a life for yourself, build a relationship, families, all that kind of stuff. Um, It was a challenge, but I was there for a year and a half and that's when you and I got close. So it must've worked out somehow. (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was amazing to welcome you to the neighborhood that week. Um, I remember after the drive that you took across the country you know, a lot of us were checking in with you and just saying, how's it going? Because so, so many of us were still kind of locked locked down, right? And mm-hmm. uh, you made your way across the different states. And um, I remember you said the feeling you had when you came across, I believe, I-90. And mm-hmm. it said, you know, you kind of crossed into the tunnel and then on the other side is Seattle. Um, yeah. What was that travel like? I mean, driving across the country, were, was, it, was it eerie? Like, was it exciting? It was- Yeah, it was surreal. I mean, it was great because I was with my dad and we were going to the Badlands and going through, you know, Montana and seeing Mount Rushmore. And that's cool in and of itself, right? You're on vacation with your parents and those are once in a lifetime memories. But it was also so hard to take it in because I knew that at the end of it was this change in my life that I wasn't, like, I couldn't go back. You know, I couldn't just turn around on I-90 and head back to Chicago. Literally, I I could have, but that's not what I was going for, right? I was going in one direction and 
trying to grapple with those emotions, plus being excited about this job, plus being nervous or this move, um, plus being nervous because we're traveling in a pandemic and we're checking into hotels and going to gas stations and all that stuff. It was, it was a lot, but it's crazy. It's one of those kind of emotional, um, just complicated emotional times where you expect to kind of almost blur it out. Has it happened to you where something crazy happens and you kind of just blur it out? But those memories to me are like so crystal clear of what my dad and I talked about in the car and what we did. And um, I think it's because it just represented such a big transition. And what's funny is I had a very similar experience moving from Seattle to Colorado. I drove from, drove from Seattle to Keystone with my mom and my dad this time. And it was the same thing. You know, we were having a great time. We were going through Utah, seeing some beautiful sights, but there was this massive unknown at the end of it. And this time it wasn't, you know, we were still in the pandemic, but it wasn't, wasn't as scary. But there's just a lot to think about when you're moving across many states and it's exciting and it's scary and it's surreal. And it's something that I hope people experience, you know, everyone experiences at least once in their life of having something where you're so excited and you're taking in the beauty, but you're also terrified at the same time. I think that's, it's for me marked a real like point in my life of like, this is true growth. Like this is a true transfer transformation or transition. Um, surrounded by kind of all those emotions. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting as well, because when you when we read about so many people taking in this pretty historic time in their life mm-hmm. to to reset, to reconfigure, to reshuffle, you know, th- there's plenty of articles out there where people talk about the great resignation, but then they're yeah. like, it's not really the, re- it's not really the resignation because, because case in point, right. You didn't resign from anything. You, you reconfigured your life and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you knew that you wanted to make a change that was closer to your dream and your vision. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, have you thought a lot about what's, you know, people are writing all about this and mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that probably write about it that don't necessarily have the proximity to the experience of what they're writing about, but you do. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah. And, and I was actually hoping you'd bring this up cause I was thinking about this today as I was, you know, preparing, thinking about our conversation. But I think that great resignation is a misnomer because no one's really quitting. I mean, yeah, you're quitting your jobs, but I think what we're quitting is not the job itself, but it's almost like this hamster wheel loop that a lot of us have been stuck on pre-pandemic, right? I mean, as soon as the pandemic hit, you had people moving home to their families. You had people taking Airbnbs in the middle of you know, the wilderness um, to just get away, right? And that's how it started. We were all working remote, but eventually I think people started to realize that this is a time where you have the freedom and there are more options and people have opened up a conversation about what do you want your life to look like, not what do you want your job to look like? So it's almost, you know, to go back to this misnomer of the great resignation, it's almost like the great reinventing of my life. I think that more people are going through and even when it is something as simple as switching a job, even though that's that's never a simple change in someone's life, I've still heard my friends talk about it in the same way. My friends who have been through, you know, those experiences is that I'm not just quitting a job and getting a new one because there's better benefits or bigger pay. I'm doing it because I have more time to do the things I love. I can live somewhere where I'm closer to my family. I can, you know, experience different things in my life. 
Um, and I think it's, it's really cool. And I'm, I'm grateful in a sense to this crazy, hectic, horrible time that we've all been through because it has allowed us to kind of reimagine what our lives look like, uh, which I think is very inspiring and cool to see. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked to so many young and old people, frankly, who have said, Mm -hmm. you know, what's, what's important and um, where do I want to invest my time and where do I want to be? As you said, there's, uh, I still know people who are doing the Airbnbs, the VRBOs um, who are sort of taking a nomadic lifestyle because they want to make memories and, and moments Um, what was it like though for, for you? I mean, what was that process like for you to know that you were, you were very successful in what you were doing? I mean, you were Mm -hmm. one of the most talented people that I had the opportunity to work with and, uh, and still you knew that you were going to take, take a chance and do something completely different, completely new. Um, as you mentioned, like you're, you weren't an outdoors person necessarily growing up, but you had Mm -hmm. this clear picture of what you wanted to go for. Um, what was that like? Like, how did that vision form for you? Yeah. So I'm gonna, before I kind of get into it, I'm going to kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about, just go back to what I was saying about how I think this time has opened up an opportunity to rethink our lives, but also to talk about it. And I think that communication was really crucial for me as I made this decision. Um, the conversations around you know, how you're spending your time, how it's affecting you mentally, like what kind of life you're building for yourself. And a lot of that too is a a much larger conversation about mental health. Um, And that's really kind of where my sort of story in this decision starts was that I, you know, a year and a half into the pandemic, living on my own in a new city, in a job that, you know, although I was talented, it was very demanding of my time and my energy. I found myself very anxious and very depressed and it was really taking a toll on my mental health. And I was working with a therapist at the time and talking to my friends and talking to my family. And I just realized that where I was, whether it was physically or with it in my career or in my, you know, relationship status or my friends, something had to give because that specific combination of you know, Seattle, big job, new city, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't working for me. And it was making me, it was affecting my health. Um, And because I was able to talk to people about that and could be more open, thanks to this kind of rise in in awareness of mental health, um, I sort of started just talking to people and ticking off the boxes. You know, I have had great friends in Seattle. I had great mentors. Um, You know, my family has always been so supportive of me. And I kind of whittled you know, that whole thought process down to this job isn't making me happy anymore. And I think Seattle isn't making me happy. You know, this isn't maybe a place where I want to put down roots and and build a life. And it kind of started as a conversation around that. And like, okay, well, like, what do I want to do instead? You know, what does this timeline look like? And to make a very long story of a lot of like sleepless nights and talks with my mom (laughs) a little bit shorter. Um, what it came down to was I realized that my lease was up in Seattle in September and I had an opportunity to move to New York with a friend of mine in March, 2022. And I was talking to my sister and we were joking and she was like, well, you know, what's funny is that's actually a ski season, November to March. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. I guess I'll just go be a ski instructor at, at Vail. 
completely joking, never thinking this would work out. But the more I continued to have these conversations about my mental health and what makes me happy and where I want to be, I realized that what I wanted was something completely different than what I've ever done in my life. To have a job where I'm outdoors all the time, I'm with a bunch of new people in a completely different environment, I'm living in the mountains. And I started to latch onto this joke of going to be a ski instructor and started to make it into a reality and kind of work that into my conversations and work that into my thought and would that make me happy? And you know, my anxiety voice is, no, that's insane. That's a crazy idea. How could you ever do that? Like, that's so scary. It's completely different. But there was a smaller voice in my head that ended up being joy that was saying, you have to do this. This is the answer. And I wish I had a more eloquent way to like explain how I knew or, or what the steps were, or if I like made an Excel spreadsheet and worked it all out. But honestly, Bill, it ended up being I was having these conversations about my mental health. I was thinking about what would bring me joy. I got this crazy idea in my head and that's what sparked it. Like that's what sparked the joy of I need to do this. And a lot of, yeah. And a lot of people have asked me like, you know, were you scared? Were you, were you ter- like of leaving your, your nice corporate job? I had a 401k and benefits and a beautiful apartment and I had, you know, a great life that I had comfortable life that I built for myself. And, you know, Jane, were you scared to leave that? And like, yeah, I, I was afraid. I had those thoughts, but I was never not once to this day, still not afraid of leaving the job and leaving that lifestyle. I was afraid of disappointing people. I was afraid of being wrong. I was afraid of getting hurt. But this decision to leave this job and go be a ski instructor was the most clarity I felt like I'd I'd had in the last two years and probably the last, you know, 24 before that. You know, it's interesting as you describe it. Have you seen the Pixar film Inside Out? Yes. That is what I was also thinking about. I was like, Joy, I recognize you. (laughs) Right. I mean, as you were describing it, like that's what that was what was coming to mind is that aspect Mm -hmm. of the small voice in our mind or the small voice in our head. Um and oftentimes what's what amplifies it is the heart is this ability to sort of say, okay, like listen from a place of heart as opposed to a place of, of your mind kind of take it over. Um, that's not an easy thing to do. And I love the fact that in your story, it started off as a joke. Yeah. And I was walking on the beach in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. My sister and I were walking on the beach in San Diego, joking while we were on vacation together, drinking our coffees laughing hysterically and now you know six months later i'm sitting on my bed in my employee housing apartment at keystone (laughs) just got off of teaching a class of five six-year-olds today (laughs) and And you're a certified instructor as of as of today right as of today yes today i got my pin in the mail my little certificate i am um a certified ski instructor with the Professional Ski Instructors of America organization. I passed my wow. level one certification. Awesome. What's yeah. it like to live? I mean, you went from two <laughs> urban, very urban places, Chicago, mm-hmm. like downtown Chicago. I think you lived yep. in the loop. Is that right? I lived in Gold Coast and Lincoln Park. So okay. very, very urban. Yeah. Super central. Yeah. And then in Seattle, you lived on Capitol Hill where I'm at now. Yes. So very urban. Um What's it been like to go from like two very urban, very, you know, well, I'd say pre-pandemic bustling 
neighborhoods uh-huh. to okay. living on a mountain? <laughs> um, it's wild. My lifestyle has changed entirely without me even trying. I wake up at 6 a.m. now and I go to sleep at 8 p.m. And that's just, that's mountain life. <laughs> Not how it was when I would go and I was in Chicago making dinner reservations for 10 p.m. Um, but it is, it's very different. The way of life is, is slower. I love it here. There's so much um, more appreciation for the small things. And people just seem more in tune with each other in a smaller community, I've noticed. We all kind of have the same, you know, we're all excited about the same thing. We all the same thoughts. We're all sort of interested in the same things. Um, and that could be just not specific to a smaller town, but more specific to a mountain community. But it's kind of nice to have this very, like, homogeneous population in terms of desires, goals, hobbies. You almost can distill down deeper, like, the differences between people which almost sounds backward because in a large urban setting, obviously you're around so many more people who are different than yourself. Um, But it's interesting. And yeah, like I said, it's just, it's slower pace. The mountains are great. (laughs) It's beautiful. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, I I love the way you describe kind of, it almost seems like Island life in the sense there's mountain life and Island life. Right. And the things that, that both of those have uniquely attract people to them, right? They, mm-hmm. they, so they have that common attraction to the place for the reasons you describe the, the nature, the active life, the, the beauty, all of that. And that's all the stuff you have in common. So you know that yeah. about each other, right? And that allows mm-hmm. you to then actually explore and have conversations about other things that are differences and I guess my question yeah. would be, does it feel safer talking about differences because you know you've got this common core or foundation? I'm curious about that. That's such an interesting question. And I haven't I haven't really thought about it in that sense. And I think I'm I'm gonna go with yes and no. Yes and no is my answer. It feels safer in the sense that there is an automatic connection to the people around me. And I'll give an example. One of my best friends here is um, lives across the hall and is a snowboard instructor with me. And we have so much in common. We ski together every week. You know, we we hang out very often. But his background is completely different than mine. And it feels safe to ask those questions and talk about it. But it almost feels more vulnerable to share about my life because I come from a very different background. I came from a corporate environment. You know, I was in Seattle. He was working as a surf instructor in Santa Barbara. Those are very different things, right? And I feel vulnerable sharing them just because there isn't, there's more to explain and it's, there's more to talk about yourself. Um, And I think that is, that vulnerability makes it feel, and I don't want to use the word unsafe because I don't think vulnerability is unsafe inherently. It just makes it feel almost a little, scarier and a thrilling and exciting and interesting way, which I think I haven't experienced necessarily in places where because it's, you know, because I'm in a larger city, I'm drawn to friends that have my similar job or that I meet at school or meet at work, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm curious also, like, is that you described, you know, (laughs) the sense of you've never done this before. So like inherently Uh in what you're doing, 
is a is a word that I've is a word that I've carried a you know a, a lot over the years. Imposterism. Do you fight imposterism? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, Bill, you would not believe. Yes, every single day I fight imposterism, and it's it's mostly it's ego based a lot. I will I won't lie. Um, a lot of my imposterism stems from my skiing ability, and because I grew up skiing in Michigan, I'm just not as good as anyone else here which I, I faced during my certification exam. But I, it's still, it's the same feelings that I had when I struggled with imposterism in, you know, my change management consulting job. When I would walk into a new client, um, you know, being usually much younger than everyone else in the room and having to have all the answers. Again, different scenario, but Walking into a group of six-year-olds who are all looking at you and expecting you to teach them how to do their pizza wedges today, like, it's the same feeling. It's the exact same thing. <laughs> Can I do this? Like, do I even know what I'm talking about? Who who let me in here? I have no idea. You know, all those things still feel the exact same. Which I think in some vein kind of says to you, you know, you're on the right path, right? Because yeah. you're growing and you're leaning into it. And I mean, we're always sort of skating on that edge of like, uh, clearly, I know I'm good at what I do. Clearly, I know I'm, mm -hmm. you know, interested in, in getting better. But it's also like right on the edge. That's when you know you're growing. And that's why that's like the right. exhilaration of doing what you're doing, right? In a new place, yeah. on a mountain, working with kids, like that's the exhilaration that gets you up every morning. It is. And it's just, it's, it's fun to see yourself grow and to watch yourself thrive in those different environments in different ways. I, you know, I'm very much the same person I was in Seattle, but in ways that feel so different to me and so new and fresh and bring back feelings that I had when I was in a new environment in high school, you know, or things that aren't, that aren't that new pieces of myself that I'm still discovering. But that's what I think is so cool about these new experiences and whether that's getting a new job or moving to across the country or completely uprooting everything and getting a new job and moving across the country, you know, I think those opportunities open up um, places where we can explore past versions of ourselves that we've maybe lost or that have become a little more dormant or new things about ourselves that we never knew. And that's been also really cool about, you know, this exhilarating, vulnerable, very different new place that I'm in. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious, have your have your friends from home, have your have your family members reached out and said, oh, my gosh, tell me what it's like to like, totally change things up and pursue a dream that maybe yeah. you thought was a joke? <laughs> well, the funny thing is that from my family, and you know, my extended family, I've mostly heard like, have you always skied? Does Jade ski? <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, wow. Yeah, that's a it's got to be a big shake up for you guys. <laughs> Didn't even know I skied. Um, but I'll tell you what, honestly, I don't, I don't get that many questions about what's it like. I get a lot of support and a lot of, oh my gosh, Jane, we're so excited for you. We're so proud of you. But I think, and, and what I've, what I've noticed from talking, you know, especially to my parents, the feedback that I've gotten from them is, you know, we almost don't know how to talk to you because this is so different. And what I'd say to that is, you know, I hear it, I see it, you know, this is, it's hard to picture your loved ones or your or friends or even an acquaintance who does something like this, sleeping in a dorm room 
in Keystone, like in a completely different way. Like that's, I can't imagine myself doing that two months ago, much less expecting my parents to, to see that. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, like you're still the same person, you're just going through different things. And I think what I've seen is that people have had a harder time asking me what my day to day is and asking me more about, you know, how was your class today? Or, you know, what did you do after work? Because it is just so different and hard to imagine. But that's not to say that I don't have support and I don't have people asking me, like, how is it? You know, very generally and broadly, like, how are you feeling? Things that are easier to relate to, which I have found to be a very interesting. It was surprising to me. I, I think I wasn't expecting people to not know how to ask me about my new job. Yeah. But I get it. Does that make sense? Absolutely makes sense. I mean, I think <clears throat> when anybody goes through sort of a, I mean, in some sense, a transformation, right? Like you're kind of, you transformed mm -hmm. your life. You know, people would say, but you already lived in a dorm in college and you had this wonderful <laughs> apartment. Like, why would you? And some people might think, why would you go back to living in a dorm? And wouldn't that be harder <laughs> exactly. to, to share, you know, uh, facilities and kitchens and things like that? I know. So it's it's hard for people to wrap their mind around it. And I think in some vein, there's also deep down inside each person, maybe they carry that sense of, hey, I wish I had the courage to do what Jane is doing. And so... Yeah it's hard to sometimes call up that person and say, tell me about it. Because sometimes what it digs up in us is regret. Mm -hmm. Or, um, I mean, it can come in many forms, but I like to always say that that is sometimes the greatest form of admiration because you're reminding those people of the courage that one person can take um, and that you can mm -hmm. follow your heart and you can change. You can change you can pivot, you could reshuffle, you can reconfigure. Um, I mean, I know last time when you and I chatted on the phone, it was so great because you said, first of all, it was your first day off in a long time. And <laughs> yeah. you went for a walk and you said, first of all, like, I don't have to be wiping noses, you know, like runny noses from kids this morning. Um, I, it was a beautiful day where you were, you were out walking and we connected on the phone and, I remember thinking it's so great to hear that frequency of joy in your voice. And mm -hmm. at the same time, you had worked so many days in a row and you don't have that many yeah. days off. And mm -hmm. still the time that you had in that walk that you had that morning was, was bringing you such happiness. And it was, yeah. I mean, if you'd said to me six months ago, you'd be having this conversation. Uh, I would be like, I, I don't think so, but there you were. Yeah. Yeah. And something that you said earlier too, I want to I want to talk about because I've been thinking about this a lot, and it's something that is that is I've has been on my mind over the last few years as I've moved to Seattle and kind of started to make bigger changes for myself. It's the idea of courage, right? And people have always said that to me, like Jane, you're so brave to have done this, and you're so, you know, that's so courageous and courage, 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 courage. And I think it's a wonderful sentiment. I'm always flattered. I'm like, wow, thank you. Maybe it's this imposterism sneaking back in. But I actually am curious to kind of unpack that idea of courage and whether it's what it means to be courageous or what is it to be brave versus sometimes I ask myself, is it just the fear of regret? Because that's another thing that you just talked about, right? Is people who are afraid, who are regretful that they didn't make a similar decision and 
that's something that has always kind of popped up in, you know, just my life as I've thought about goals since I was a child is I have a fear of regretting things, regretting taking chances. And what is the difference there between, you know, is there a difference between having courage and being brave versus just being afraid to regret something? Because what people have said to me is courage, you know, Jane moving to Seattle, quitting this job, blah, blah, blah. It feels very scary. You know, I don't feel like I'm, you know, Troy or, you know, Sparta or whatever. (laughs) I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. And I think that's interesting because I've had conversations with friends about that, um, you know, in response to a a compliment saying that I'm brave. I think it's, I, I always say it doesn't feel that way. And I'm just curious of that connection between those two things. If they are different, if it's the same thing that we're talking about. You know, that fear of rejection versus courage. I think it's a really good question. And I wonder, because obviously it it reminds me a little bit of um, some of the work that Brene Brown does, right? And I know we're both huge uh-huh. fans of Brene Brown. And yes. in, in her recent, her most recent book, Atlas of the Heart, she talks about emotions. And what what's really interesting about the way she talks about emotions is exactly what you said. It's on one side of it, if you're looking at it, it appears as courage. On the other mm-hmm. side, it's fear of regret. Um, mm-hmm. Can it be both? Yes. It, how do we how do we define it, and when when do we use each word, and for what reasons? Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's so much nuance in there, and that to me is the gift of it, right? Like one person's right. courage could be another person's driving force of fear of regret, mm-hmm. but it's how it shows yeah. up in your life. Um, and it's still, I think, even from afar, it's still very admirable because mm-hmm. it means the person's actually taking steps towards bettering themselves and towards achieving something with clarity right. and certainty, even if others around them say, I don't see the picture. I don't see how this is working. I don't see how this yeah. is, this makes sense for you. Um, yeah. And you probably didn't have all the clear picture either, right? Even as you're driving to Colorado. <laughs> no. I'm halfway through Utah. I'm like, what am I doing here? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, I don't think you ever do have a clear picture. I I think in some way you're just kind of pulling at levers and seeing what works, see what sticks. And a lot of times, you know, I think my example of moving to Colorado and being a ski instructor is pretty drastic, but it doesn't have to be that way. It could be something small, you know? be taking a different way to work and that's i mean that's essentially what leading and managing changes pulling different levers and seeing what works for people and everybody has a different a slightly different arrangement of what works well for them i mean i think that's one of the things that we were so fortunate to get to do is get to work with people of all different sort of walks of life and challenges Mm -hmm. and say hey we've got the cap the sorry the capability to kind of pull on these different levers and see what makes sense. Um, and mm-hmm. then our, our hope was always that at the end of it, people sort of found themselves and felt more comfortable in that change. Um, yeah. I mean, is that something that I imagine you took it into the work you do now? It just, like you said, uh-huh. it's just different stakeholders. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My stakeholders are smaller, much, much shorter. Um <laughs> But they're also afraid of change. You know, they don't know what it's like to put a ski on their foot and glide down a 
big snowy mountain. You know, they don't know what it's like to make yourself stop then and turn and do other fun things. And we're all scared and everyone's kind of worried about what the future looks like, but it's all the same. It's bringing people along slowly. It's finding out what works. It's using different learning styles, um, you know, different ways of delivery. And we're all trying to get everyone to the same place. You're defining the goal, figuring out what their goal is, helping them shape it, and then helping them get there, right? Um, I did that today. I had a student who was very scared when her mom dropped her off for ski school. She's six years old. And, you know, I just got down to her level and I was like, what's your goal for today? She was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, how about, how about we stop today? How about we learn how to stop on our skis? She's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, does that sound scary? She's like, no. And that's what we worked on all day. We just took little baby steps to get closer and closer. By the end of the day at three o'clock, she knew how to stop. And I asked her, I said, was, was today scary? She's like, no, nothing's were good. I think in a, it's a very small scale, but that's what we do every day, right? With change and change management. It's the same thing. What's your goal? I want to have my employees adopt this system. Okay, awesome. Let's work toward that. And hopefully at the end, you can turn to your stakeholder and say, was that scary? Like, no, no, no. We did it. We did it nice and slow. Or we did this. I liked that. I liked that thing that we did. Or this thing I would do differently. At the end of the day, hopefully we got to where we wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason people do a lot of outdoor things, right? When you do the ropes courses, when you do the, um, you know, the hikes as teams, I think it's because it's kind of a great equalizer and you kind of, everybody has to take those small steps no matter what. Um, Is that, Mm -hmm. is that something that having, having moved to Colorado, obviously you're working with you're not just working with children. You're also working with parents. You're working with fellow ski instructors. You're working with people that own mm-hmm. and work at the resorts. Like, what has that been like? Um, it's been very fun. I think, first of all, working at a ski resort, everyone's really excited to be there. <laughs> so everyone's always in a great mood, which is very fun. But it's also, you know, I'm using different, different people skills every single, in every single interaction. I have to talk to a child differently than I would talk to their parent. And I talk to, you know, my best friend who's my ski instructor next to me in the class right next door differently than I would speak to my supervisor or the person who is helping us with lunch. Um, And I think that has been a great challenge and a great growth opportunity for myself is sharpening those skills of interacting with different people in ways that you can connect to them and you know, feel, feel that connection and help them get to whatever they, they want out of that interaction. Um, which is very different than working with, you know, adults all the time and people who are more business minded. Um, and it hasn't been without its bumps, of course, because every new opportunity has its learning moments. Um, but it has been very different and like in, engages a lot of those those good people skill muscles that I think I've always tried to strengthen. Yeah. And who knows probably makes you an even better consultant or change, change manager or leader, because if you can, if you can um, help little kids overcome their fears and wipe their noses and make sure they stay safe and return them safely to their parents. um, Then I guess all the stuff around systems and processes and all that other stuff doesn't seem so hard. Right. Yeah. 
it's also, it's very on the fly too. You know, there's a lot less time to prepare when you've got a kid hurtling at you at 20 miles an hour on a pair of skis, um, you know, or, or you've got a parent who's concerned about how their child did in ski school. It's, it's a lot more on the fly. Um, and I think that's where people who are in the service industry, especially like deserve a lot of credit. You've got to know how to interact with someone and help them solve their problems or help them get over their fear. Congratulate them on a job well done. Give them a positive reinforcement, whatever it is, really, really quickly. There isn't time to hide behind an email or, right. you know, pause your Zoom, go on mute really quickly, things like that. Um, yeah, you don't have access to anything. Another... No, I can't go off video. <laughs> I'm standing in front of the parent. I gotta, I gotta tell them how their kid did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. that's I, I, I hadn't really thought about that, but as you describe it, I could see it's like it's like improv all the time, right? Like you're on stage oh, yeah. all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another great thing about uh working with children specifically is you have to be also very animated and we play a lot of games and do a lot of voices and um I'm hoping to go for my children's specialist certification this season as well which is will put me more on a track of working with children. Um, but I think that's fun too, right? It's a goofier side of improv and being kind of in presenter mode, um, which is fun. Yeah, you get to embrace the inner child, which I think is so therapeutic for for so many reasons. Oh, totally. Right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's been, that's that's one one awesome thing about this change that I, you know, just to talk about how it's affected me, the therapeutic nature of being outside all the time, being with like-minded people, exercising constantly, being with children and seeing just excitement all around. In addition to kind of also changing my life in a structural way of having a different job and a different apartment, it's completely changed my life in an emotional sense because it's brought so much just natural joy through you know into into my everyday which i think a lot of people could use a lot of in this world right now so i i really yeah. appreciate you sharing this 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 yeah. kind of journey because you know you turn on the news and it's kind of scary right the world is pretty scary and yeah. people feel pretty saturated with that but i imagine it's got to be so nourishing to laugh a lot to play to mm -hmm. to protect to engage, to see yeah. nature, um, to, you know, in some ways you're also um, preserving nature, right? By by educating yeah. people on how to interact with the mountain and the elements. And that's got to bring a lot of joy, um, which I could see why it helps with things like attitude and, and uh, viewpoint and all of that. So um, I really appreciate you sharing that perspective. What's uh, yeah. What's next for Jane? I mean, obviously you mentioned another certification, but would love to know kind yeah. of like what's the what's the outlook ahead? And and you may not know. You could be like, I'll figure it out in a couple of days, but would just love to hear any thoughts about the outlook ahead. Yeah. Um, I don't have one, Bill. I don't have an outlook. I'm just kind of going day by day. Um, and that's completely different from how I've lived the rest of my life. I've always had a plan. I've always had a path. I've always had an outlook. And it's there's another therapeutic nature to just not, I don't really know what I'm going to do next. 
there's, um, I might stay here for the summer. There's an opportunity for me to go be a ski instructor in Australia for their winter season. Um, yeah, I might, I might decide to move back to Chicago and get an apartment. I might move home to Michigan with my parents. Um, I don't know, but there is something so freeing about for the first time, pretty much in my life, not having a plan. And I am so proud to say that (laughs) normally I probably would have been very stressed out to be on a podcast with Bill Kurtz telling the world that I have no plan, but I am thrilled about it. So I'll keep you posted, but I don't, I don't have an outlook. Well, I am super proud, super proud that you don't. And I'm super proud that Thank you. you, you are where you're at. Um, it's, it's been an honor to have kind of been along for the ride to have been one of the first people to welcome you to Seattle um, when you, you know, got out of your car and looked around as the world was very, very different. Um, And also to have been a person to champion and applaud you um, on chasing a dream and having that conversation from a place of joy. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I have to thank you as well for all the support. You've been just such an amazing mentor and supporter of this journey. Um, I, I know it's hard to see people do something completely different and be afraid for them, but you did nothing but champion my journey with joy and it helped me find the joy I was looking for too. So thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks for sharing this story. I know there's going to be a lot of people listen to it and they're probably going to be on the cusp and they might just say, I'm going to do it. So, uh, for all those that are out there listening and, and they say, Jane did it, I'm going to follow suit. Um, go find that joy. Yeah. And if I can just one last point too, I, I said it before, but it doesn't have to be big. Just any little thing, anything you're thinking of, just just do it. Because if your heart's telling you that it's right, it's it will work out. It'll work itself out. So thanks. And also come to Keystone and ski with me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go to Keystone <laughs> yeah. and ask for Jane Coughlin. <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I'll be so stoked to ski with y'all. <laughs> That would be hilarious if somebody came and said, hey, I heard the podcast and I wanted to get on the slopes with you. I know. Oh, my gosh. I would actually love that. (laughs) Please, please do. Awesome. Well, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks so much for sharing your story. And um, yeah, just, yeah, keep having fun. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Bill. I'll talk to you very soon, I'm sure.